thanks. That's all for today. Thanks, 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 that's all for today. Thank you, that's all for today. Thanks, that's all for today. Thanks, that's all for today. Thanks. That's all for today. Oh my goodness. Happy 2022. Hello. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I hope you're all doing very, very well. I'm back and I am so happy to be back with an amazing, amazing two-part new series. Yes, the rumours are true. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your nan, tell your dog, tell everybody. We're back and season three is not going to disappoint. I have six episodes coming up for you in this first half of the season and I cannot wait for you to hear them. So we're kicking off season three with a fantastic episode with one of my oldest friends. It's West End leading man and British baritone, Leo Roberts. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited today. I've got one of my best mates on the podcast and I just, I'm just smiling. I'm so happy to see him. We have known each other for so long. Did you ever think when you met me at 14 that you'd be interviewed by me on my podcast uh maybe not on your podcast but on something like blue peter yeah i could <laughs> totally have seen that <laughs> oh my god do you remember when we used to have to do like um interviews for like easter school yeah for Maybe sure okay. I could I, I I always thought that one day I'd be there and I'd turn on the tv <laughs> sat down you know in my 30s with a bunch of kids next to me and then Harriet's there on CBBS. that's <laughs> well it hasn't happened so I'm so sorry that your dream hasn't come true for me but maybe one day I do have a blue peter badge so there you go so do I so do I when did you go on blue peter well I didn't I never went on it but I my mum don't tell anyone but I didn't actually do any work for it but my mum designed a crown for the commonwealth games and said that I'd done it so I got the blue peter badge but it was all trish Wow. Wow. There you go. Well, I actually performed on Blue Peter dancing around as a bear. So, you didn't? You know, really? I was. I, I was. Yeah, I was in Shrek the Musical at the time singing I'm a Believer. Oh my God, you were an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I was an adult on Blue Peter. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that let down the whole situation is you weren't the presenter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry that I've let you down in life. Maybe one day, maybe one day, just for you, I will try and get that on my CV. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Thanks That's All for Today, a podcast hosted by me, Harriet Mullen. And today... I've got one of my oldest and bestest friends on. We've known each other since we were 14. It's the wonderful Leo Roberts. Leo, how are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Thank you, Harriet. How are you? I'm so good. I'm, I was going to say, I'm so good to see you. <laughs> I'm so good to see you. Well, it's nice for you to see me too. <laughs> I'm so good. And it's so good to see you. I actually had like a full on intro for you. So let me read out. Pains me to be so nice about you. I'm not going to lie. West End leading man, Leo Roberts. He is, as I mentioned, one of my oldest friends. We grew up together at Theatre Studio in Cheltenham, playing opposite one another. We did play Nick and Serena in Fame when we were like 14, 15. I've I've never, ever 
I've never ever gotten over fame, I don't think. Um, I think we peaked then. Yeah. <laughs> <So do> I. <laughs> you know, my first memory of Leo is we were in the singing call for Nick and Serena. And I think Kieran was there as well. And we were doing the pray, pray, pray. And you did your bit first because Nick sings first and then Serena sings. And you just looked at me and you went, oh, thank God you can sing. I didn't know if you could sing or not. <laughs> oh, man, the arrogance of that kid. <laughs> <laughs> not much has changed. It was so funny. And I was just like, oh, yeah, um, well, I'm trying. I, I didn't know I could either. Uh, no, it was it was so it was such. It was such a great time. It was so much fun that we got to do that, like as young, passionate performers. Like we just used to take it so seriously, didn't we? Oh, so seriously. Like it was like the, the highlight of the year. And then we got to play Dorothy and the Lion um, in The Wizard of Oz. And oh, it was such a good time. We we did so many shows there at that that lovely theatre, the Cheltenham Playhouse. Every time I come back to the Cheltenham Playhouse, I realise how special that little bubble is. Theatre studio particularly is when what we grew up in. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like we did have something special. The idea of like putting on a show in a week for Easter school, summer school, they're kind of things that, you know, I, I, I did something in London similar. I won't name the establishment, but I didn't have nearly as good a time. You know, it just wow. was, it, there was so many people and I did it in Cheltenham and it just felt like a tight group of friends that weren't all trying to be professional actors, but some of us did mm. and some of us just loved it. It was just that, that, that sort of, I guess, respect for it. And it was just great, you know, it happy was times. The fact that we did full scale musicals, not just a showcase, the sets were amazing. Like we had a full costume, two and a half hour show, didn't we, for Easter school? And it was mm -hmm. like five nights we would do it. and it was taken really seriously wasn't it like we all we all had proper scores and scripts and there'd be like a scene call I think even for fame we did like a sits probe as well I'm sure we did <laughs> my yeah. goodness all I yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I just I, I don't know I can't remember if that <laughs> yes there was yeah because we get the was. band in yeah we yeah. used to have a live band like uh, do yeah. you remember in the whiz they had an actual band pit yeah yeah no I do oh that was great fun that was great. You don't remember because you were too busy winding me up. <laughs> uh, no, I remember all the antics. It was great. Such a good, such a good time. So I have written out your credits and you've come a long way from Nick Piazza to now British baritone, performer, singer, actor, variety of credits, including West End shows such as Showboat, which I absolutely loved, came and saw it twice. Les Mis, Les Mis the Stage Concert, Shrek. You studied for three years at Art Said. We'll talk about your drama school audition experience um, a little bit later because you were hugely successful. I remember doing my Art Said audition and getting cut first round and you came and met me and you were like, don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I thought I was going to come to this uni and be with you. Um, you have a fabulous concert coming up next month in London. Can you tell me a little bit about that before we go on with your credits? Yeah, sure. So I've been working with my collaborator here in LA. Um, her name's Aisha Denis. She's a Turkish classical pianist. Um, we actually met in London at a, um, a really cool venue owned by my friend Ross called Shoreditch Treehouse which is like a sort of event Airbnb and they, they have this giant 10 foot Steinway um, in this sort of penthouse in the middle of Shoreditch. Wow. And it's just, a, it's just a great place for young musicians, old musicians of all varieties, all different uh, 
backgrounds in music to come and perform. And uh, she approached me in the audience after a show uh, and said, I'd love to work for the pianist. So we did, we got some work together three years ago, this was, and uh, we never really got to materialize it. So about, I guess it would have been about three months ago now, we reconnected when she moved back to LA because um, she was in uh, Turkey during COVID. Mm. And uh, I said, look, I'm going to be around on the West Coast. Do you want to um, meet up, crash heads, and let's do something creative because everybody felt so stumped during COVID. Yeah. They weren't able to make their art. Um, so yeah, we put our heads together and we, we, we've basically taken this concept of making pop songs classical. So we've done two Billie Eilish songs. Uh, we've done a... Um, a song by Imagine Dragons, an Ed Sheeran song. Yeah, we've done a whole sort of plethora of work that we're trying to like create this sort of new concept for. Amazing. You two work so well together as well. It's such a, such a great dynamic. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And it, the, the, the exciting thing about it is it's kind of just the beginning. So mm. yeah, that's what we've got to look forward to. Amazing. Fantastic. So for you, you've obviously you've had great success you've I've mentioned some of your West End credits um you've done obviously the the lamest concert you you've got your own concert coming up you've also been involved in other concerts uh such as the West Side Story concert was that with BBC Proms that was BBC Proms yes and we did it with the John Wilson Orchestra it was wow and you played Rift it was in Rift yeah which yeah. is a role that I could never play on a stage dancing because it's probably one of the most highly demanding dance roles in musical theatre but how when you make it a concert version mm -hmm. that's my ticket <laughs> <laughs> amazing so yeah, it, was, it was incredible that that, that, that was um, one of the best gigs I've done in my life that was two oh, performances two sold out shows at the Royal Albert Hall um yeah it was just spectacular <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. the next day and just thinking wow that is the blues right there where you just go singing in front of thousands of people and then the next day you just don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it's incredible. I know, ups and downs, isn't it? I was just about yeah, yeah. to say next, it doesn't get much better than performing at the Royal Albert Hall. Like that for a it singer, really... that is incredible. Yeah. And with that orchestra, because you did Friday Night is Music Night as well. Was that also at the Royal Albert Hall? No, Friday Night is Music Night was actually the thing that launched my career. So I was in my third year of drama school. I mm. uh, didn't even have an agent at that point. And I, I um, was singing uh, as a lead soloist, the song about four songs, one being The Impossible Dream. I opened the show with Oklahoma, What a Beautiful Morning. Um, oh, I can imagine and that. It was, it was the first time I'd ever sang, not, not with an orchestra, but with, with you know, a really accredited, calibre, famous philharmonic piece of just it was just fantastic like 60 60 pieces and a conductor all following the soloist it's it's the closest feeling I've, I've ever had to just this like euphoria in what we do um so that actually was was it halfway through my third year and then I shortly auditioned for Les Mis after that and left halfway through my third year amazing I didn't know you left halfway through your third year yeah, a bunch of us did. Um, wow. Yeah, you you luckily were allowed to do that. We still did our showcase and everything, but I did. I skipped my final show for third year because I had work, and that's the that's the yeah, goal. Yeah, of course, that's the goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow! And when an opportunity arises for a show like Les Mis, I mean, mm. that's incredible. Amazing that that can happen 
you know, before you've even qualified. What an amazing thing to happen in your third year. Yeah, it was. It is, it's a lot of credit to do with my drama school. Being in the right place at the right time and turning up and giving it everything you've got, really. It, it's, it's, it's what drama schools do best. So I was very blessed in that regard. Well, as your friend, I'm extremely proud of you. You have done so well already in your career. And I think you should be very proud of yourself. play a game and then I want to go on to a story time so this game is not a general knowledge musical theatre game okay it's just a different way for me to ask you some questions it's a quick fire round I just want you to tell me out of the two options that I'm giving you which one you prefer so we'll do a practice round self-taping with me or self-taping with anyone else And there's only one right answer, Leo Roberts. Self, self-taping with Harriet. You, you passed. <laughs> All the others, I'm, I'm not going to judge you on your answers, okay? Thank you. you I'm, I'm, you sh- I'm sure that was a polite answer. Thanks, Leo. Okay, group audition versus solo. Solo. Okay, I like that. Solo, straight to the point. <laughs> audition for love interest or villain? Villain, all day long. 16 bars versus full song. Full song. Why, by the way? I'm just interested. Why? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So there's... <laughs> <laughs> no, just for that one, just for that one. Okay. I... Uh, like, hold on. How are you supposed to act in 16 bars <laughs> and really give it, give it your all? Like, otherwise, you're just listening to somebody's voice. You're not telling a story. Amen. Broadway versus West End audition. Oh, that's... Oh, I've got to give you an answer. Uh, West End, I'm more confident. Okay, okay. Uh, do they differ at all? This is like... A- oh, they're so, they're so different. They're exactly the same and so different. I, I, that's a whole conversation. <laughs> wow, really? I've never seen a Broadway show, so I, I wouldn't really? know how to compare. No, I've, I've done New York, but we didn't do a show when we were there. Do you know what, do you know what is fantastic, Harriet, about mm. Broadway shows? is that when you go watch an ensemble, it's not like the UK, where the ensemble is super young and a lot of fresh graduates. No, in Broadway shows, they get people that have been in the industry working extremely hard in the ensemble all the way up until their 40s, 50s. Dancers in the chorus that look absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, look fantastic, great presence, and they work. You You tend not to get that as much in the UK. You'd see mainly graduates and you'd see mainly like a young... Uh, stretch of people whereas in the US that doesn't work like that at all and it's brilliant no that's that is amazing um in terms of the actual nature of the audition is it the same kind of format because I went to a panel um spotlight once and a lady on the um, panel was from France and she said we have so much more time with actors we hear than than in the UK yeah we call them in for like a good 15 minutes yeah, so I, I do get a lot of time in the UK. Uh, I guess that's because I sort of know every casting director. I'd, 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 like, there's, more than likely, there's always one person I'd know on the panel in just about any project I'll ever go in for in the UK, which is a, a super privilege being in the business for, you know, I haven't been in the business crazy amount of time. It's been 10 years mm. almost, you know. It's like, um, well, not even that, nine. Mm. Um, 
on the US, I have to get used to a very, very different scenario. So you go through Tara Rubin, she's the big one, uh, Telsey and company, uh, they're the big ones. But amongst all of these uh, huge casting directors, there is eight casting directors. So wow. they all have all these assistant casting directors for the main casting director. Wow. So again, it's a building up your network so you know who these people are. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the more and more you know the people, the more and more time you get in the room, the more and more of an unknown that you are, the more in and out it is. Mm. And your final two questions are, do you prefer a panel or one-to-one? One-to-one, I think. One-to-one. You know, no, no, actually a panel, a panel, I think. Um, it's, better that, it's better that a few different brains here and make, it, make up a different opinion. And do you prefer to choose your own rep or your own choice of song or theirs that they send? Theirs theirs because at the end of the day if it's theirs it's probably the product of what you're actually going to be performing fabulous you passed so i want to go to sort of a story time-esque style of question let's talk about your career and i mentioned earlier you know, and you've just mentioned you haven't been in the industry for a huge amount of time. And you've ticked in my head quite a lot of boxes for yourself with your with your career so far, being Nick Piazza in fame with me, mm-hmm. I'm sure is the top of your list. So what's been, would you say, the most exciting audition and the most exciting job? And were they for the same show? Hmm. Most exciting audition. So, all right, I'll, get, I'll give you two examples. So the, the most exciting audition that I've ever had was auditioning for West Side Story at the proms because I was super, super excited to meet John Wilson, um, mm-hmm. who I've been following his work ever since I was a, a child, really. You know, he's always the guy that I would watch on BBC Proms do the musical theatre. And the worst thing is, is I woke up that morning and I had a stinking cold mixed in with hay fever. And Harry, I almost called out of it. Really? I, was, no. I, I, had, I had no voice and I walked into the room and I, I saw my friend Alex Parker who had actually got me into the room and David Grimmel was there with John Wilson and I was just so low on confidence and then they, they, they asked if they could hear the Jet song so I started singing it and I was thinking I never thought I'd sing this song my goodness and it just happened and then anyway they went right cool Leo do you know cool the song and I was like uh I didn't really know it that well but they I, I said well could you give me the dots and I'll I'll take it away and I'll come back in five minutes and I'll sing it to you mm. so they went great do that so John hands me the music I go out and I come back in and sing cool and then we workshop it for like 10 minutes and as I'm leaving the audition uh they go great I went great cool and they went really great cool I think that's that and then I get a phone call 10 minutes later and I get the role. Oh my gosh, how amazing. And it's like, like I wasn't buzzed going into it. I really, really, I was gutted because I was feeling under the weather. And then all of a sudden the audition throughout the thing, I completely forgot that I had a bad voice. Yeah. Went away. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. And it just all worked out for the best. You know, the second example was that I was going in for a film and TV audition. It was for a movie called War Machine with a casting director called Des Hamilton. Um, who's really, really big amongst like all of Tom Hardy's work, 
um, all of that sort of stuff. And it was a Brad Pitt feature film. And it was um, when Netflix was still like mega pay for just a, a, speak, uh, a couple of lines. And I went in and uh, I, got, I got the call back for the first for the first round and it was really, really good. And then I eventually like three rounds later was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the bottom five for a top, top feature film with Brad Pitt. Uh, and you go in and you meet your doppelgangers. I met five people that looked identical to me. It was the <laughs> creepiest thing ever. Like one of them even talked like me. I think he was from Stroud. It was really weird. Was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Anyway, I didn't get the role, but I remember that whole experience thinking, wow, that was my first ever film and TV audition. And I almost got it. Mm. You know, kind of, kind of crazy. And I just remember that feeling of going, wow, this is really exciting being an actor. And ever since that moment, I've always loved being an unemployed actor. And I know that sounds stupid, but right. when you're unemployed, you get the world of opportunity to be able to go off and have those experiences mm -hmm. because auditioning is what it's all about. And like, That's if you so keep true. doing it, it is, it is so true because if you think about it, when you're stuck in um, most of the work that I've done, I've been in contracts for a year and mm -hmm. you don't get the opportunity to be able to audition all the time. No. But when you are constantly auditioning, it really makes you a better actor and it, it makes you realize how much work there is out there. Now you don't get it all, mm. but it, it sometimes doesn't matter. The one thing is just turning up and doing everything because you've got to hold your reputation at the same time. So you can never do a bad job. Yeah. Sometimes can be difficult when you get 12 hours to learn a paragraph, you know? Yeah, you are <laughs> right. Auditioning is what it's all about. Um, I have a question for you. You mentioned you've been in the industry for about nine years. How do your drama school auditions compare to now? Like that first drama school audition, is it still the same oh. feeling for you or what has changed for you? I had so much confidence auditioning for drama school. Really? Did you? Uh, I don't I remember. Just, <laughs> I was just, I was just, I, I don't know. I, I wish you could like get back to that hunger. You know what I mean? Oh wow. I was just so, so I, I felt like I was good at one thing and I just wanted to do it. You know what I mean? It's just like, just, I just was loving it. The yeah. funny thing is, Harriet, is you realise just how bad you were then. <laughs> <laughs> but you did, you did do so well. You did really well at GSA as well. Well, I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a weird thing with GSA. So I, I'd been offered a scholarship to go to Mount View Academy and Arts Ed at this point, and I thought, great. Well, I'm now auditioning for GSA, and I loved their original building, but they mm -hmm. just moved campus onto the Surrey University campus, and there was this brand new modern building, and it. Honestly, just didn't vibe with me. I didn't like the fact that everything was so brand new. I liked Arts Ed because it had these walls that felt like they'd been sweated in, you know what I mean? And like, it just felt like it had a history behind the place. And uh, I don't know, I actually, I, I, I didn't get offered GSA. I got put on the reserve list. I couldn't stand it. I hated the whole process. I didn't like the teachers. I, they just, they just, uh, nothing felt welcoming. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy the whole process. I did the first round, but I'll tell you what was nice out of that. Is I met my best friend, um, Stefan Harry. Oh. So yeah, we've, we, we've remained mates and now he's marrying my other best friend. Uh, oh, that's so time, lovely. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So you met a, a best friend for life at an audition? I did, yeah, yeah. Since oh. when, we were, when we were 17, yeah, it's crazy. Oh my God, that is. That's the one good thing to come out of the GSA auditions. Yeah, GSA is a fantastic drama school, by the way. Really, really great. 
But everybody yeah. is different, aren't they? You get yeah. a feeling from a place. Mm-hmm. I want to know the main difference from you nine years ago entering the industry till now. You just mentioned that you had so much confidence back then and it's kind of like blind faith isn't it when you're younger because you're like oh how hard's it gonna be I just have to sing a song and say a monologue um do you still have that confidence or do you feel more sort of more nervous the older you're getting you know I think that I think do I still have the same confidence now yes I'm a confident person when I walk into the audition room it's never a problem but I tell I'll tell you what the difference is it's 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 like a cockiness arrogance and naivety when you're young, which actually serves you quite well. It's not necessarily a bad thing, because like I'm referring back to that phrase, hunger, you have to be hungry for it when you're young, because if you're not then, my goodness, you're not going to be ever. No. Um, And what's happened to me as I've got older is, you know, that hunger does fade away a little bit. But I think more importantly, you don't, you look for the better work. You look for the things that really interest you, because why would I just do something that I've done before? I want to be able to, I want to be able to get better constantly and that is one of the best things about what we do is that you know every single job could be different you could learn something different a different show a different cast different people different creative teams Mm. um the main difference between me now is I think I'm just a bit more comfortable in my skin yeah I think I think I've honed in on what I think is my sort of gift which I think is singing more than anything um I got given some great advice years ago um, when I when I really really wanted to be an actor actor, um, my friend said, "Leo, there's plenty of people out there that can act. There's also plenty of people out there can sing. But if you've got something that separates you from the crowd, use that thing to facilitate your acting career." Mm-hmm. And for me, it was always I was this young twenty year old kid that sounded a little older than his years. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of now I've kind of honed in on that a bit more, and I. I think my voice is my my love and uh, for, for years I've been singing just as a singer which has yeah. been really nice and I can take long periods away from acting and I never really feel like I stop acting because I still tell a story through a song but what's quite nice is I get to be Leo Roberts the artist yeah and I think I think that's how I've evolved because when I was at drama school I did intense dance training mm. and the the truth is, is it was amazing it taught me so much it meant that I was able to be in ensembles of shows but it was never really for me I I, I've always felt like I want to focus on my singing and my acting more more Mm. my singing and you know the truth is a drama school like Mountview and uh, GSA actually would have been very very good for me but art said is what my heart was telling me at the time yeah the thing is now is uh, I've sort of stepped away from doing the ensemble work um, now I'm also at the age where I kind of have to start doing that um, because it's you know I, I've done it and it's it's been a for a few years now my time to step out and be Leo Roberts the performer and I, I think I think that's the most important thing that I've learned some people leave the industry and they feel that straight away that's amazing that that's what so far your career has taught you that actually you can do the Leo version you don't have to be it's it's being it's being more comfortable in your own skin Mm. yeah definitely Hello everyone, it's me Harriet. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to pop in a message from our amazing sponsor, The Professionals PT. 
Hi guys, it's Louis here from The Professionals PT. I'm an online personal trainer who helps other busy young professionals create stronger, fitter and healthier bodies using habits and strategies that slot into the busiest of work schedules. When I was working 50 plus hour weeks as an economist in London, some of the biggest problems that I and so many of my peers faced was struggling to eat healthily, finding time to work out and simply maintaining motivation and discipline. Even though I absolutely loved reading about anything and everything to do with nutrition and training, I still found it so hard to adhere to the busy lifestyle. Now, I knew that generic advice wasn't going to cut it, and so I got qualified, turned my passion into a business, and started to develop and learn key strategies, mindset shifts, and training and nutritional advice that would go hand in hand with my busy work schedule, and doing it all without it feeling overwhelming. Now, my mission is simple. I want to create thousands of stronger, fitter and healthier young professionals using a coaching experience that chronologically maps out the exact stepping stones you can take to improve your relationship with food, make smarter decisions when eating out and how to retrieve your dream body without sacrificing carbs, alcohol or your social life. And guys, I get it. A lot of you may have a good idea of what you want to do or what you need to do to hit your health and fitness goals. But the biggest problem is simply mapping out all of the advice from the most important to the least important. And that's why working with a coach can actually help you achieve that. So this is why following a coach with a very specific knowledge to your own situation can actually provide you with daily accountability, expert nutritional advice, ongoing support and a strength training program that you can actually look forward to doing. So guys, if you want to find out more information and get expert support, motivation and accountability, then visit theprofessionalspt.com and feel free to check out my Instagram page, which is at theprofessionalspt. Enjoy the podcast and I'll speak to you very shortly. So let's play another game. I want to talk to you about rituals. So anything you do before, after, in the audition or any superstitions you have or any go-to things that you do. So the first question is, do you have a go-to song that you would sing in an audition? Yes, I do. But I'm not sure I want to say what it is. Don't say what it is. That's fine. Don't have to say what that is. Harry, it's like my secret weapon. Every every time I've ever sang the song, I've got the job. Is it I Want to Make Magic from Fame? <laughs> <laughs> I want to make magic. <laughs> yes, it's that. You got it. Straight Excellent. <laughs> Secrets out. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have a go-to vocal style? Yes, uh, it would be classical, legit musical theatre. Would you still audition for pop stuff? I have to. You have all to, the yeah. time yeah all the time um however what I have started doing now and this is another maturity thing that comes with what what I'm comfortable with I'm not just going to remove all my vibrato I'm going to sing a pop song how I sing a pop song yeah right now that doesn't mean that I'm going to do <laughs> I was going to do an impression <laughs> Go on. I, 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 I wasn't going to be like hit me baby one more oh, time yes <laughs> not gonna do that no I'm I'm just gonna sing as me Mm. and then if they're on the panel and they go Leo can we just rock it up can we pop it up a little bit then sure I'll do it but I'll bring to the table what my voice sounds like singing that song brilliant brilliant advice okay let's go for the next question which is are you a tell everyone you've got the audition or do you keep it a secret I never tell people I have auditions no you're setting yourself up for failure 
-hmm. Or worst case scenario, which has happened to me before, you tell people you've got the job when a job offer has been offered and then all of a sudden the job falls through and then you have to learn with dealing with the fact that now I'm going to tell everybody that it's not even happening. And it's like, look, keep the stuff to yourself. Focus on you. Nobody else needs to know that business. That is horrible. Yeah, yeah. Great advice again. Vocal warm-ups. Have you got any go-to vocal warm-ups that you have to do before an audition? I do. I'm a big... um, I'm a big like warm up my sinuses sort of guy. I like to do a lot of like nasal wobbles and like uh, really like opening up resonators. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grade A advice actually is I don't like to sing a whole lot for a warm up. I like to sing myself into warming up. But what, mm-hmm. I, what I mean by that is like rather than doing vocal exercises, what I like to do is what I would call voice exercises through like what you'd learn in a speech and voice class. Mm-hmm. Lots of sighs, lots of breathing, lots of spinal rolls, just getting good connections with mm-hmm. everything and opening up the diaphragm. That for me always helps me. Yeah, because otherwise you can be vocally knackered by the time you're singing if you've done a full yeah. 40 minute warm up and it's, you've strained and yeah. Uh-huh. And you do, do you ha- warm up before you do the podcast? Yeah, because I never stop talking, babe. Do I? <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always, I'm always warm. <laughs> I have learned over the course of my career, particularly speaking in an American accent, which I have to do flawlessly all the time because I live in America, right? Mm-hmm. If I talk in an American accent for twenty minutes, I find that I start getting uncomfortable, and all of a sudden you have to like warm it up, and if you don't prep yourself it's like going into a full sprint for an athlete and then you're not actually equipped for it because it is it's a different thing Mm. um so I I do a lot of work with that and I warm up before everything also just warming up before you talk makes you sound so much nicer yeah definitely that was a fantastic answer thank you now this is a bit of a materialistic one it's a bit of a vanity one so I want to know do you dress for the part or do you dress up for the audition I never used to um ever since I now the the, the viewers at home can't see this but I now have hair like Tarzan yeah, so I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a very you know sleek haircut um, and look smart and presentable. Now I've got a bit more of a rough surfer dude sort of look. It's, it's an absolute mane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I, I, I've sort of been leaning into that a little bit. And no, I don't go as smart because it, it doesn't really suit the look that I've got. Um, but there have been times, particularly when I had short hair. And I remember doing my first um, Les Miserables audition for um, Broadway. I, I rocked up in like, a really smart shirt, really smart trousers, hard shoes. I clean shaved that that morning and everything. And yeah, I made I made a real effort. Now I like to, I I kind of like to bring the sort of rugged look that I have right now mm-hmm. to the audition because that's again what I'm trying to sell. It's how my you know my headshot is and everything. So yeah, and that's you. It's me. Yeah, you know, no point pretending to be anything else. No, exactly. And finally, do you have any superstitions with auditions? Hmm. probably just can't really think of what they Mate are one right up. go on <laughs> um no I, I I don't really know no I don't think I do do you have anything like like health-wise do you have to like make sure you haven't drunk milk you know eaten badly or whatever do you have anything like that or are you just pretty chilled my life is my life it's not all about this audition. uh 
okay now that that's that's another thing about where i used to, where i've come from i used to before an audition when i first started go through all of that a ritual and must keep this like a magic chamber right no <laughs> lactose nothing eat clean drink loads of water the truth is opera singers for years have been smoking drinking coffee absolutely ruining their voice and then they've been going in and giving it tens out of ten don't worry about it so much mm. you know what i mean like I, I i suddenly realized that the more relaxed you are and the more you actually just feel comfortable the better you're going to be mm. yeah definitely you know? and I, I used to just obsess so much so that i'd be getting through an entire like two 2.5 liters of water before an audition and then halfway through i'll be needing a piss and just... <laughs> You'd be oh like, what, God. what? What have I just done to myself? You're just giving yourself all this anxiety. Yeah. Like, just, just you know, relax and try and bring your own game. Now, what I do have is a little prep. I've taken away two things. Um, there was a choreographer, and now he's a director. His name is Drew McConey. He said that he had this little uh, thing that he used to do before an audition, and he had a, a fake light bulb, and he said he used to just turn it on. I'm present and then am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it, babe. Okay, cool. He he said, ain't no other fucker. So what I do before every audition now, and anybody that knows me will know that I say that and I've stolen it from Drew so he can take the credit. I go, light bulb, ain't no other fucker. And I walk in. Last Amazing. thing I'll ever say, and it's my way of just going, own it, Leo, because it's your two minutes. Mm. Do it. Definitely. And that's so important. You've just said your two minutes because it's such a short amount of time that you have in there to impress them. Own it. Own it is the best advice that you can give an auditioning actor. Own it. And more than anything, make it work. You Mm. get given a bad script. Guess what? The script's bad, but they know that. The panel knows that. Everybody knows that. All it's about is the actor and the Mm. right person that gets hired is the person that made it work. Definitely. Such good advice. Yeah. I've got a whole section for advice later. I've just crossed it out because you've you've topped it with that. That's great. <laughs> That's such a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna now think of you when I walk into an audition. I'm gonna say I made hey, it up. No, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 I make sure I credit you and Drew. Before we play our final game, I want to just go back to baby Leo. Did young Leo want to be a performer? If not, when was it that you thought, I want to be in musical theatre or in films? I want to be a singer. When was it? So I grew up, I was born in Oxford and then I lived in an area just outside of Reading called uh, Newbury. And I grew really? up in school Really? My dad used to I- work there. I know, I know. Yeah, we've talked about that before once upon a time. <laughs> I and, didn't uh, listen. <laughs> I know. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh, it wasn't about uh, me, Leo. Sorry. Sorry, no, it wasn't about no, me. No. Sorry. Well, it actually kind of was because your dad was involved, but <laughs> no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> so much love to your dad. He's a, he's, a good, he's a good bloke, your dad. He's amazing. And your brother and, and Mummy Mullen. Anyway, back on track. What sorry about back to your podcast where I just made it about me um <laughs> when did you know that you wanted to be a performer when you were growing up so in 2000 we moved away from Newbury to Gloucestershire and I think within a year I think I was in like year three at school or something like that one of my neighbors uh invited me along to go to theater studio and 
I pretty much joined instantly. We did a show called Seven Brides of Seven Brothers, oh. which was fantastic. It was like old school, everybody there. And we just had such a blast. It was my first ever summer school and I loved it. And I, I came back and then I eventually joined theatre studio. I think my parents thought it would be, I wasn't very good at school. I was quite dyslexic and they thought, right, well, we're going to send him to all these Lambda classes and things like that and speech and voice lessons because it might help Leo's, I don't know. I don't think it was ever a confidence issue, but definitely like my comprehension, my reading and things like that. So I, so I did that on top and it worked wonders for me. You know, um, it just became where I found confidence and where I was happy. So somewhere along the line, I, I kept coming back. I don't think I ever missed a summer school or an Easter school. And I think I got to like, around when I met you actually, Harriet, I think fame was probably one of those moments of going, you know, I'm like going through adolescence at this point and I'm not sounding worse. I'm actually mm. feeling like I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better. And then I think it was around 15 where I probably like hit adolescence and then it, it didn't go away. Yeah. And I suddenly went, well, my voice got lower, but I could still hit the high notes. Yeah. And I did, I, 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 there, was, there was something going on here. And then I, I, I remember having conversations with friends and like family and um, theatre studio. And I just remember going, do you think I could do this? Like, is that a thing? And it was, it was also a time where there weren't many men really in musical theatre. Yeah. For, for years, there's always been a, a downage of it. Anyway, so I, I started, you know, prepping stuff when I was 16. And then I actually like performed in front of my school um, which was a big thing for me because I'd never even sang in front of my friends at school. Mm. And everybody was like, what the hell was that? And mm. I sang at one of these presentation evenings, which was in front of all the year 11s and all the year 13s. So all the, all the GCSE results and all the A-level results, it was where they would get their awards and certificates and things like that from. And I, I'd say that then from there, you know, I, that enabled me to study music A-level. Mm -hmm. um, I then learned how to read music uh, which was super difficult. It was like learning a different language. I didn't yeah, even know what a crotchet was on day one <laughs> AS level. I mean, God's oh, sake. God, it was... yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, I, I did it and, you know, I, I walked out and I, I managed to get an A level in music, which is crazy. And I, I think halfway through my AS levels, I auditioned for drama school with a full scholarship. You did. Crazy. You, I just remember you getting better and better each year and the shows that we do that you would leave although I couldn't ever watch your lambda pieces because you remember we used to laugh it's you did <laughs> yeah so you, were, you were awful it veered on bullying it didn't, honestly but Harry, I'm totally joking <laughs> <laughs> um that's that's amazing that it kind it wasn't for you like oh my god if I don't do this I don't know what I'm gonna do it's lovely that you were sort of like organically just developing into a performer and each year kind of each milestone you hit and each show you did because I know you did Thoroughly Modern Millie didn't you when you were like in oh, of course yeah yeah no that, that was quite a big thing that was my first thing stepping away from theatre studio to kind of see what I would be like on my own because mm. it is it's a comfort bubble in in many ways and, and and that happened I remember somebody from the press came I was 16 and they said they said something really wonderful about me and I was like oh that's interesting because I did. It was like, I remember being 16 and I was auditioning with all these 20 year old blokes yeah. and I ended up getting this role. It was hilarious. That was I a was very funny audition. Ever so jealous when you were in a show that I wasn't in. Yeah, yeah. Wait, hang on. What do you mean that was an interesting audition? Can you share that story or not? No. 
<laughs> yeah, it's quite a funny one. Uh, when you when I was auditioning for Jimmy for Thoroughly Modern Millie, we were at, uh, this giant audition room, and you would go in towards the panel, but every girl needed a chemistry check with a guy. Oh, you bet you <laughs> bloody loved that. <laughs> And I had to go in and read with about eight girls and just go in and halfway through the scene, you'd have to snog them. <laughs> oh my God, I did not know this. Harriet, and then something really funny happened, okay? So then they're like, oh, Leo, could you come in? And just as I'm about to go through the door, they go, oh, no, 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 Leo, sorry, actually, uh, we're going to get somebody else in to do this. Do you know who's in the room? My old English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to go in and read the scene and snog my old English teacher. No, can't do that. Can't do that. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. (laughs) I bet you were livid. So let's play a final game. This is called Never Have I Ever. It's not really. It's called Uh, Have You Ever. Have you ever got a job and not had to audition for it yes Mm, exciting have you ever had to learn an accent for a part for an audition uh i wouldn't say learn uh completely brand new but yeah for shrek i had to i had to do a sort of glaswegian soft scottish accent oh did you yeah but also what about the one we did in your flat when you had to do the southern american oh my god yeah (laughs) Didn't, didn't get the role. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I was involved. I'm sorry if that was me. Um, uh, have you ever auditioned for the dream role? Or do you have like a variety of dream roles? I don't actually. It's, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I don't particularly have a dream role. But the simple case is um, I really enjoy surprising myself. And all of a sudden I start auditioning for something. And before I know it, I'm like super enticed by it. And it's nothing to do with what you would picture me doing. But isn't that acting? Yeah, Isn't exactly. it like the, the best thing about what we do, the fact that you can transform yourself into something else mm. and be something else, I find that more exciting than anything. Yeah, there's things that I would love to sing. There's roles that I would love to be. But the truth is the ones that come along every now and then are the ones that surprise you. And they're completely so far away from that. And they make you a better actor, I believe. Definitely. Well, Shrek. I mean, you're nothing like Shrek, but... Exactly. That, that, was, a that was amazing. Example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been on a panel? Uh, for a professional show, no, I don't think so. Uh, but I have sort of overseen stuff and recommended to casting directors who would be good for the job. And I have, through teaching, been on panels, but not for, not as like a resident director, choreographer, or anything like that. No. And when you have been on the panel for for those projects, what? is the biggest piece of advice you'd give to anyone auditioning? Um, Bring what you have to the table. Bring, you know, your sort of unique self. Um, At the end of the day, back to what I said earlier, we're looking for somebody that can make this material lift off the page and work. It's all about making that work. And before you know it, that that, that might be you. Don't, Don't do what you've heard on a cast recording or the same intonation as what somebody else has done before you. You know, Ian McKellen doesn't do the same performance as Ray Fiennes. You know what I mean? They're completely different things. Mm. And they're both wonderful. But one, somebody gets cast. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And 
have you finally said no to an audition slash what makes you say no to an audition or what would make you say no to an audition I'm very good at saying no are you I yeah think I yeah I I, I learned a long time ago and I, I've had agents over the years I've changed agent three times um where I just I just if I didn't feel something I'd be like it's not worth my time um I I, I know I'm not right for this um, they have been right in other scenarios though, where I've been like, it's not worth my time. And then I've, t- I've showed up and uh, I've had a great time. So, but most of the time I, I, it's, I decline more stuff than I say yes to. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm. There's power in saying no. Before we go, there's just one question that I haven't been able to ask you. I haven't been able to get this into your story time. You're obviously in the US at the moment. One, do you have a US agent? And what's the process for getting a US agent? And two, do you ever have any time zone issues? I can't speak. Any time zone issues with having auditions in the UK? Or are you not auditioning in, in the UK at the moment? So I haven't been auditioning in the UK because see, I have a green card in the US. Mm-hmm. So I have to uh, declare this as my full-time residence. All that boring stuff. If I was to get a job in the UK, I'd put that under compromise right, right now. So I'm, I'm committing to staying in the USA. So I no longer actually keep my UK agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we went separate ways during COVID. As far as the US goes, uh, there's two roads you can go down. You can even get a manager, which is basically the same as an agent. Managers are very, very popular over here. Um, they sort of manage your schedule for you when you do auditions. If you're looking for publicity and certain things, they can hire certain people for you. Or an agent is simply just acting work, singing work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. And what did you have to do to get your agent? Is it the same as here or did you have to audition for them or send so out? It's a bit more of a complicated process because in the UK, I had so much chance to showcase my material. Um, and then you would get approached, whereas in the US, I really had to reach out to people, write to agents the old school way and really wow, yeah. uh, try and, which is which is quite humbling, actually. There's like, come on, there's a phrase. It's like almost don't be afraid of the humility to restart. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you are moving continent and I'm not as well known over here as I am in the UK. Okay, fabulous. Thank you so much, Leo. You've been amazing. That's all I have to ask you loads of love before you go please could you just sign off the podcast and say thanks that's all for today Mullen, it's been a pleasure thank <laughs> you so good to see you so and see thanks you. that's all for today <laughs>